We're going to expand our weekly video segment to take you into the back shelves of your local video store. Back where it says horror videos and where kids are devouring some awful films that we call the video nasties. Are you freebasing? Inquiring minds want to know. I have to break free from this culture of mechanical reproductions and the thick encrustations dying on the surface. Stop the prime time, bitch! Pain, I can assure you, will be exquisite. As for our deaths, come with me and be immortal. We have such sights to show you. We've got to return some video tape. Hello, horror hounds, and welcome to the It Slays podcast. I'm your humble host, Rowan. And this is a feral cat who's trying to chew through garbage bags in a dumpster mic. And last but not least, it's Colton. And we are back. We have Colton back now. Uh, Ooh. You know, you guys may have missed him. Uh, we kicked him out last episode, kicked him to the curb, handed him over. Every horror movie on Netflix paid us basically to use him. It was a. Oh, I thought you were going to say to get rid of Steven. I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, paid us in Steven. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, and I think the every horror movie on Netflix episode. Or wait, it's not Tuesday. It's Thursday, it was. guys. It's Thursday. Yeah, we're we're behind the scenes. We're supposed to record Tuesday, but Rowan just dropped the ball on that one. Dropped the jackhammer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There was some construction work going on, so Rowan had to let everyone down and record two days later. But back to what I was saying, every horror movie on Netflix uh, dropped an episode. Do you want to, like, talk briefly about that, Colton? Yeah, sure. So we did, like, what we were calling, I guess, the wife swap or the crossover event. So, yeah, I went over and I was with uh, Patrick and Chris and Depressed Chris, if you've seen the Instagram <laughs> post or the Twitter post, which is pretty great. And, yeah, I uh, was featuring on their episode about Hush. So this should be dropping this Sunday. So if you haven't listened to every horror movie on Netflix's episode on Hush yet, uh, make sure to go back and do so. Check it out on their podcast feed or on their Instagram page. And uh, we have a better discussion on it, I think, than our show. We don't call it a lifetime movie, that's for sure. So <laughs> so if you want to hear a respectful discussion of Hush, maybe check out every horror movie on Netflix's <laughs> episode. <laughs> Listen, you're acting like calling something a lifetime movie is a drag, which it isn't. <laughs> Bro, you guys were talking about, like, animal genitalia five minutes into the episode. It, I was like, I was like, man, I'm not there. And things go so far off the rails so quick. It was it was fun to listen to, though. I'm not going to lie. Good, good. <laughs> so I can't promise no animal genitalia in this episode, but I'll try my hardest. God. Uh, so let's talk about uh, what we've been watching, what we've been reading, what we've been listening to, whatever. What have you been consuming media-wise? Colton, you've been gone yes. for a while. What's up? I have, but I, I kind of feel like everything that I've been watching has already been discussed already, either <laughs> on like Now Slaying, through our like reviews of X and Fresh, or when I was on every movie or every horror movie on Netflix. So I was kind of like racking my brain and there's a couple of things I can maybe mention. Like, I don't think I've discussed the Batman anywhere yet. And I know Rowan, I know you've seen it a couple of times. You're, I think, a pretty big fan of it as well. I am. I am. <laughs> Mike's rolling his eyes. Are you not a fan of the Batman, Mike? Come on. No, I'm just like, how 
how is Ro seen this multiple times already? It's just, it blows my mind. He's found six hours in his busy schedule to watch <laughs> Robert Pattinson brood and mope around. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty excellent overall. I, I thought like the, the funeral procession uh, inspired score was pretty great. I, I really like Pattinson's take as Batman where he's like vengeful and reckless and just generally like unwell, which... You know, it just felt different to me. It was a different portrayal of Batman and Bruce Wayne than what we've seen with Christian Bale or Ben Affleck. And, oh, Zoe Kravitz. I don't know how I can get this far without mentioning her. She's excellent as Catwoman. Yeah. And as is the rest of the cast, like Colin Farrell as Penguin, you know, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon, Paul Dano as the Riddler. I think they're all great. That being said, there's a couple of little small gripes for the movie, and hopefully I don't piss off Rowan too much with this. I think... The cinematography is absolutely gorgeous, but it is so gorgeous and so perfect that it is almost too perfect, in my opinion. This is a weird critique, but I find that some of the action scenes feel a little stiff at times, just a little bit, where it feels like everything is shot where it's locked down on a tripod or with a steady cam break, where it's like, I didn't feel like I was in the thick of things. I didn't feel like I was in the middle of the action or the chaos at times, where I was like, shit, I just wish it was a little bit rougher at points. And I do think the Riddler's riddles were either unfair at times or a little bit stupid. (laughs) And it wasn't enough at the time to take me out of the movie. But like in retrospect, when I was thinking over them, it kind of was like, yeah, that's, you know, a little bit of a issue, which, you know, the, if when I go to rewatch it, I'm not sure if it'll hold up quite as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's no The Dark Knight, but uh, it's probably my second favorite Batman movie. Rowan, I see you over there. You want to say something about it. So I know this is what I've been watching, but go ahead. What did you think of The Batman? Yeah, I also have it as my... I think now that I've tempered down, I've had like a week, you know, or so to process it. Uh, I have it as my second favorite Batman as well. I don't... Oh, you reverse. I reverted. Originally, I came out, I wrote Colton. I'm like, it's the best Batman. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I think it's, it could be 1A, 1B, maybe not number two, but just there's always a special place in my heart for Batman Returns, which I feel is the ultimate Batman. I think everything you said pretty much is, you know, how I feel about it. Like, it's just, it's beautifully done. Probably one of the best scores period I've heard in a long time. It's really good. I've heard people complaining about that they use it too much, which, when I was in the moment, I didn't feel that, but like, you know, obviously they do use the same four notes over and over again so i don't know maybe when i rewatch it it'll annoy me but uh I-, I loved it the first time as well it's catchy man it's catchy like when i came out of the theater i was like that's all i thought about yeah it's very much like the imperial march or something like vader's theme right so yeah fantastic yeah i was gonna say other than that i crammed in a movie this afternoon called windfall it was released last week on netflix to mixed reviews And honestly, I'm kind of shocked by that because I thought the movie overall was pretty great. Um, It's a single location thriller with kind of like a Hitchcockian vibe to it. It stars Jason Segel, Lily Collins, and Jesse Plemons. I don't know if you guys are Jesse Plemons fans. I'm a really big Jesse Plemons fan. Um, Oh, wait, uh, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically it's about uh, Jason Segel's character breaking into a tech billionaire's vacation home. And when he's in there, uh, he realizes that the owners had an unplanned getaway. So he kind of has to take them hostage in their own phone or their own home and kind of, you know, figure out how to get out of it, you know? So it has a really quirky sense of humor to it. And uh, I love just watching kind of things spiral out of control for the character. Like I thought it was a lot like really fun to watch. It's, you know, it's nothing flashy, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And 
you know, like I said, I'm a huge Jesse Plemons fan, so maybe take my opinion with a grain of salt because he's definitely the best part of the movie. But uh, if you're a Jesse Plemons fan, maybe check it out. <laughs> I, I think it was pretty great. Yeah, and I mean, I've been watching other things, but it's honestly stuff that's probably not worth mentioning on air. Like, you know, it's kind of mediocre stuff or pretty boring. So I'm not going to do an in-depth discussion of Survivor. So I suppose I'll throw it over to Mike and see what he's been watching or what he's been consuming. Well, I will do an in-depth discussion of the current season of Drag Race, which is one of the many <laughs> things that I have been watching. Um, I'll, I'll spare you all that except to say um, Willow Pill is my everything. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been watching that and uh, I finally watched, I know it's like a trashy thriller, um... A Simple Favor, which was came out a few years ago with Blake Lively. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. We were just looking for something kind of like light and fun to watch over the weekend. So we watched that. And then actually right after that, for whatever reason, um, we started watching Jujutsu Kaisen, the anime. And yeah. I don't watch a lot of anime. Like I when I get into it, I get into it, but it's like, I've watched a very select few and I haven't watched a new one in forever. I usually just go rewatch like Sailor Moon and shit, but we're like really chewing through that and really enjoying it. So that's the one with the movie in theaters right now, right? It is. Yeah. 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 I think that's why we decided to start watching it because it was all on Crunchyroll and my friend's like, Oh, there's a free, you know, trial. Let's, let's do it. Gotcha. Um, and other than that, I've been reading the book behind her eyes by Sarah Pinbro, which is a kind of, you know, like a, I'm going to say trashy thriller. You know, it's not like literature, but they made a Netflix series of it. Well, actually, I think it was a, originally on something in Britain first and Netflix decided to bring it over and slap their name on it like they do with everything and pretend yeah. it's theirs. But it was like a limited series thing last year, I think. And it was really, 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 really good. A lot of people don't like it and think it's garbage, but I, it, you're, it's one of those movies like, if you like it, you really like it. And so I is really the series, <laughs> is it just called Behind Her Eyes as well? Or is Behind it? Behind Her Eyes, yeah. Yeah, okay. No, I haven't even heard of it. Okay. It's, yeah, see, and it, it kind of came and went like with no fanfare. And I was actually thoroughly disgusted that like so much stupid pedestrian bullshit gets like hyped up and everybody's talking about it. And like, oh my God, you got to watch this. Like, okay, don't act like you're giving me some hidden treasure. This is some fucking shit that Netflix has been hyping on the like homepage of their app for a month like you're not discovering some treasure here anyway Hidden gem yeah <laughs> right and but anyway and then this just kind of like comes and goes with no fanfare i was thoroughly pissed off but it's very good so i decided to read the book because i wanted something you know a little less depressing and you know whatever now, Mike, <laughs> so that's, do you, that's that's what i've been what i've been do you, at. do you usually uh rate movies you love only a 2.5 out of 5 on letterboxd i'm just curious with that uh sometimes <laughs> i Listen, saw that review come through and i was like man i think i liked it a little bit more than that that i wouldn't uh <laughs> wouldn't say that i loved it but you know i can recognize that i don't think something's technically a really good movie but that i really love it for reasons that are very subjective all right all right that's what i'm but saying i like just because I give something a two doesn't mean that I don't like it. <laughs> Actually, sometimes the opposite. Sometimes it means that I quite like it. Yeah, I think that's the same review as the best action movie of all time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same review. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just look at Predator. That's all I have to say. Predator is like the kind of barometer against which to judge all of my other Letterboxd reviews. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's like the cipher to your reviews. Mm -hmm. Nice. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. Ro, what have you done other than the Batman? So other than the Batman twice... 
<laughs> I know, it's sad. And it was like pretty much like I saw it on a Thursday and then I saw it on a Sunday. So I didn't even mm-hmm. like wait a grand amount of time. Uh, so I'm just looking. I had to see what else I watched. So of course I got uh, home from watching the Batman. I had to revisit Batman forever. Oh my God, yes. Can we talk about how that soundtrack needs to go on streaming because it's a masterpiece? Go ahead. I was a little more positive on it than I think I may have been in the past. Uh, you know, kind of the beginning of, you know, that whole, the collection of Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. So a little more vibrant Batman and Yeah, well, toys. they're the camp Batmans. They're the, like, throwback to, like, original campy Batman. You know, I think it, I think it kind of holds up. Like, I... Jim Carrey, I thought, gave... Look at the cast. Great like, cast. It's a great cast. It's still fun. I And, you know, it's the right amount of camp. Uh, I finally saw Spider-Man No Way Home. I was, like, the last person uh, in Earth, in the universe, to see it. Apparently, yeah. I think that thing's, like, approaching $2 billion in the COVID era, so... Yeah. Although, yeah, I, I say you. that, in the theater, there was two other people going to see it, so... Oh, really? Okay, it's basically a sold-out show. Yeah. Uh, three months after it came out already. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, it was probably my favorite Spider-Man movie of, like, these new Spider-Man movies. I'd get down with that. Yeah, yeah and, and I think it's one of the better outings, like, in the MCU, really. I think uh, it, it was fun. It was just a good time. And like uh, Colton said, like, we saw X, and you can hear what we thought about that on that episode. And I rewatched Fresh. And then uh, I the last two I rewatched, uh, I rewatched Captain Marvel the other day, just because I couldn't overly remember it. I saw it in the theater. and Brie Larson, right? Yes. That, that, yeah, no, because there's Miss Marvel coming out. I was just making sure I had the right one in my head. Yeah. Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, uh, which, you know, is, is mediocre. It, it was yeah, one of I'm the... I'm not a big fan of it either. Wasn't a great one. Uh, I rewatched The Return of the Living Dead the other night for something to put on, which is always a great time. Uh, amazing soundtrack. Just, you know, one of the all-time zombie uh films and then really the only other thing is uh i finally finished uh my mandalorian watching and uh i'm on boba fett right now did you make it through boba fett you were messaging me about it and i only ever made it one episode in so did you make it further (laughs) than that or uh i'm on episode two i think right now (laughs) okay I might have to take a break. I might be like Star Warsing myself <laughs> out as a guy that generally isn't like crazy about Star Wars. And, and, and you know, I I think I had said to Colton like when messaging him with the Mandalorian, like it was good. I I don't know, like I guess. Uh, my theory with all that kind of stuff, it's kind of the same how I feel most of the Marvel like television stuff is you know I think these uh, Disney Plus's format has just like kind of ruined the specialness of the movies where like you're getting Star Wars content like every three weeks now like it's just yeah. overbearing and there's just like I you know at some point you just don't care anymore <laughs> and honestly the Marvel stuff is even worse now where they have like four tv shows a year and like three movies as well it's uh it's a lot to take in yeah yeah i i have to say it's just so funny because i was thinking about that earlier when you were talking about going to see spider-man and and making so much money and how i haven't seen it and i was thinking how i don't want to know how many years ago but like before roe moved away when we would 
make a big outing every time there was a Marvel movie or any superhero movie, you know, DC, anything really. And, you know, we'd put on our nerdy t-shirts and go and line up early and blah, blah, blah. And there'd always be like three or four of us going and like never missed a movie we'd get together and watch watch them all like in a run like we did that at you know drew's house one night yeah i'm at the point now where there's just so much of it that like i haven't seen a marvel movie probably since that last like end game or whatever yeah i don't i haven't seen any of the tv shows i'm just so absolutely burned out on it because there's so much of it and i can't anymore i can't do it like you're not alone with that though like a lot of my friends as well jumped out kind of after Endgame and like we used to do the same thing whenever there'd be like a blockbuster like big event movie DC or Marvel and you know a couple of other franchises everyone would flock to the theaters but I went to see the Batman all by myself you know usually that'd be a movie with eight or nine or ten friends but now it's just like all the superhero stuff it's too saturated even my nerdy friends don't care to go see it in theaters anymore they'll just wait for it to hit HBO Max or Crave or whatever right yeah yeah it's definitely like a burnout thing for sure yeah for sure i think it's probably time to get into the main event uh so we'll get into the trailer the film was my pick uh this week silent hill from 2006 we'll play the trailer and then uh we'll be back with uh that delicious bio honey sometimes when you go to sleep you talk about a place i don't remember can you tell me the best way to get to silent hill why you want to go there on april 21st We'll discover a truth. Hey! Where's my child? Only the demon knows where she is. Too terrifying to believe. What's happening? Who are you? I am the Reaper. Silent Hill. Silent Hill was directed by Christoph Gantz and written by Roger Avery, and the story is as follows. After her adopted daughter Sharon begins suffering from a series of recurring nightmares, Rose travels to an enigmatic town called Silent Hill in search of answers. The two quickly become separated, and Rose finds herself in a dangerous place where all of one's nightmares become real. Rose enlists the help of police officer Sybil, the town's quirky residents, and a fanatical cult in order to give her the best shot at seeing her daughter again but soon learns that once you arrive, you never leave. Silent Hill. Dun, dun, dun. Cue the spooky music. <laughs> Cue the amazing music of Silent Hill. So, first experiences, is this our first time seeing this film? And also, you know, uh, you know, this it's not a secret. I mean, if you're listening to this episode, you probably know Silent Hill are a series of video games on the PlayStation. So maybe also our experience with the video games. You know, have we played the video games? Uh We'll start with you, Colton. Yeah, so in terms of the video games, I kind of go back to probably the early 2000s. Whenever Silent Hill 2 came out, I didn't play it myself, but uh, sleepovers at a friend of mine's house on the weekend, I'd go over, and his parents were always playing Silent Hill. So we would watch them play, and they'd just be like smoking up a <laughs> smoking nonstop playing Silent Hill. But I remember specifically Silent Hill 2 was so scary that it made his mom break out in hives. So Silent Hill has like a pretty prominent place in like my mind as a child. Like this was kind of like around the time when I was watching Ghost Ship and stuff like that, just kind of tiptoeing in the horror. And I remember watching Silent Hill 2 
uh, then play through it, and it, like, frightened the shit out of me. So in my mind, Silent Hill 2 is a pretty prominent video game franchise. I uh, I have only ever played a little bit of Silent Hill, I think it's, like, 4. It's Homecoming. It was on, like, the Xbox at the time, which is a very different game. I think you're, like, a veteran in that, so you're kind of, like, fighting all the monsters hand-to-hand and using guns a lot more. It's kind of not, like, creeping around in a foggy town. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with the games, but, you know, mostly just through watching people play them, not really playing them too much myself. And in terms of the movie, it's it's a similar thing. I was familiar with the game, so when Silent Hill in 2006 came to my uh, hometown, probably six to seven months after the rest of the world got to see it in this <laughs> shitty theater, uh, I would assume my friends and I all rushed out to see it. I remember seeing it at least one other time before this time, and I think it was when it was in theaters, you know, probably in 2007 at that point in time. So yeah, I'm familiar with it a little bit. What about you, Mike? Um, I used to love playing the games um, off and on with friends of mine that owned them because I was poor and didn't. <laughs> or when they'd rent them or borrow them or whatever. Um, so I was like super familiar with like the games and the mood. I actually saw this when it first came out and I was very high (laughs) and it kind of scarred me a little bit this was the peak of me going to see um really violent horror movies stoned out of my mind in theaters and it was also the end of it (laughs) that's all i have to say about that bro yeah i could kind of yeah see why yeah i was aware of the video games i've never played a silent hill video game i don't think i've ever seen gameplay on a silent hill video game i remember the covers of them i probably saw like some sort of game commercial or trailer type thing for it were you familiar with pyramid head because he's pretty iconic like if you've seen anything Mm -hmm. about the games no not at all i mean okay now that i'm older like i've you know i've seen like stuff on youtube and yeah yeah that kind of thing but i wasn't familiar with pyramid head uh, at all um i remember this movie coming out I, I never saw it in the theater. I never rented it. It wasn't, uh, you know, I knew it was like a movie based off a video game that I didn't really care about. Uh, you know, I was a Resident Evil kid, so I was just kind of like, uh, I don't really care about Silent Hill. I always thought Silent Hill was just like the big eight version of Resident Evil. Discount Resident Evil, yeah, but they're they're actually quite different. Very yeah, different. I, How I understand dare you. the comparison though. So I mean that and that's one of the main reasons I uh I picked this was, you know, I said when I picked it, I've been sitting on the, you know, I bought the Scream Factory edition of this. They put it out a couple years ago. I remember all the hype about them putting it up and people were really excited and I saw that it was kind of having this like renaissance of like you know people just really enjoying this movie so I was like oh I should pick it up you know and I pick anything up the Scream Factory anyway and yeah shocker yeah so that was why I chose it because I was like I feel it's a big uh, it's a bigger film that I never saw back in the day so it's time to correct that so we know where we're gonna start Uh, First, we have to talk about what is our favorite scene or and favorite kill in Silent Hill. I didn't even mean for that to rhyme. (laughs) 
Oh, man. We'll start with you, Mike. Why, thank you. Maybe this week my pick won't get stolen out from under me like it did the I was last gonna, two or three I was going to throw it to you, not even joking. I was like, let's, <laughs> let's <laughs> let Mike steal my scene. Everyone always stepping on my toes. It's fine. I love it. I love to be stepped on. <laughs> let the record show. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have many that I but So I'm not going to say my favorite scene because I feel like somebody else will probably say that and it's like so fucking cliche. But like, I will say my favorite favorite kill and it is obviously gonna be when pyramid head picks up anna outside the church and literally just rips her skin off of her body like it's a wetsuit and throws it at the door and then it like splatters all over rada mitchell's face like just as the door is closing and it's like oh man that is how you do a fucking horror movie kill right there you want to fucking terrify people you just did it. Yeah, that was going to be I just, my it was, favorite. It was like, yeah. it, it, it's, and I mean, really up until that point, like you had seen the like kind of twisted remains of kills and stuff. And but that was like the first like really big like, oh, fuck, <laughs> like, um, OK, they mean business like <laughs> this is there's there's stakes here. The, the flesh will be ripped from your body <laughs> and it will be flung at a church door. Yeah. So yeah, that was I one of the few things that like from my stoned watching, there's like three or four like scenes and moments that really um actually stuck through with me afterwards when I, you know, was lucid and sober. And that is one of them. <laughs> what about yeah. you, Colton? Yeah, I, I mean, that's my favorite kill as well. But I guess I'll take the favorite scene and maybe this is the cliche scene. I'm not really sure. But my favorite scene is when Rose has to memorize all the turns in the hospital because, you know, and obviously and what, you know, succeeds that scene. But I mean, when she's memorizing all the different turns, I remember in the video games, like their mapping system was so clunky where it'd be like actual yeah. like floor p- plans a lot of the time. And in the early games, I don't think you could carry them around with you. So you would have to look at the map and then remember like, okay, I take a left here. I take a right here. Okay. This one's jammed, you know, I'll go all the way down the hallway, which I was like, okay, that's a cute throwback to the video games. Yeah. But, it's like a little Easter egg. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. I was like, okay, that's cute. I remember that as a kid, like, you know, my, my, uh, friend's parents having to do that but obviously when she rounds the corner and sees all the nurses that's like that that's my favorite scene where it's yeah. like you know the light kind of like makes them all move slash attracts them so she has to go through in the dark and then they start slashing each other and it's like it's just a really good scene it's one of the few scenes in the movie where i kind of felt a little bit of like terror other than just like visually like the monsters being grotesque or whatever it was, it was yeah. like i was like oh i kind of felt you know a little bit of fear for rose to like kind of get through the scene you know and obviously yeah, the you nurses... actually like hold your breath right yeah exactly like yeah. It, it made me anxious in a way right and uh, the nurses they're iconic from the game so of course seeing them realized on screen and actually a pretty like faithful rendition and actually looking pretty good because it was it like dimly amazing. lit yeah that I, that I was like yeah this is my favorite scene i wrote it down right away favorite scene that hallway <laughs> nurse scene <laughs> What about you, Rowan? That was my favorite scene was the nurses. Of course, yeah. And now, of course, like, I have no basis. I didn't... I knew once I watched the special features on the disc, like, they were from the games and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But just in the film, like, I was like, hey, this is just, like, iconic. Like, seeing this movie, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, yeah, I, I was like, there's no way this isn't an iconic scene. Like, it's creepy, the makeup's really well done, like you said. The lighting's great in it. And it just really builds that tension. Any movie that does anything where, you know, things are frozen and then they can move, like, 
I think this trick's usually used in horror movies with, like, mannequins and stuff. Yeah, that's what I was thinking mm. as well. And that always, like, it always creeps me out because then my anxiety's always like, oh, like, what one is it? Like, what one is, mm-hmm. what what mannequin, what non-moving thing is going to move? And you're always like, oh, that's going to be the one that moves. And it's never the one you think it is. And it always gets you. Uh, and as for Kill, I, I do love the skin ripping scene. I really enjoyed uh, kind of the big finale kill of uh, ripping uh, the cult leader in half with yeah. the chains. Yeah. I think just overall, like I said, with this being my first time, I didn't expect this film to be be as violent or gory as it was my memory was always just kind of oh this was like a pg horror movie or something in the oh theater God. oh no 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 <laughs> meanwhile me being completely scarred leaving it because i was like having a panic attack <laughs> Yeah, it's like the games are like the polar opposite of that as well where they're so like deathly serious and they deal with such like mature topics and themes that they're literally a they're kind of too boring for children because we're too dumb Mm. to figure it out but also it's like actually like terrifying and deals with like really heavy topics that it's it's Mm. a lot to take in regardless yeah i will say while watching this i uh i was hearkening back to another episode because i don't know about you guys but it gave me uh event horizons feels and i all i kept thinking when i was watching this is man i wish this is what event horizons was like like this was what event horizons was missing was like just all the hell scenes in this yeah i was i just i don't know i just I guess because of hell and, you know, kind of the the metal and chains and, and there, there's definitely, uh, you know, there's to me, there was definitely a Event Horizons and Hellraiser, Clive Barker influence in the film. For sure, yeah. Because I think with that hell look, it definitely was giving you kind of those like sadistic BDSM type vibes, Clive Barker vibes, like a hundred percent yeah definitely yeah that like kind of torture yeah and like especially like the scene with the janitor when like he comes alive and we transition into hell like and you know he's crawling like his hands behind his head and he's like with barbed wire and stuff yeah and he's like licking the air and stuff Mm -hmm. and i'm just like oh yeah like and now i mean what you know what watching some interviews with uh christoph Gaines, uh you know he i know he said like clyde barker was like one of the main influences so it it, it definitely you know made sense to me yeah as someone who was somewhat familiar with the 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 game story it's kind of a lot of the creatures and whatnot where you were like, oh, man, this is really cool. It's kind of like, yeah, I've, I've seen that before. I've seen all of these things yeah. before. So when I was watching it, it was more so kind of like, oh, I think I like these a little bit better in the video game. Or like, oh, they didn't look quite as out of place. You know, like all the little like uh, crying children, you know, in that yeah. one scene. Like, I forget what they're called. They're like the unborns or something like that, where they're all kind of like running after Rose and whatnot. I was kind of like, all right, the, the, the movie doesn't have like the budget to kind of execute on like what they're trying to do here with like 20 to 30 little CGI creations. Like, like chasing after yeah. her that I remember the game very much like knew its limits back in the day where like the whole purpose of why the you know the town is wrapped in fog is purely because they didn't have the draw distance to render things right so exactly it, it was kind of like their limitations made it a lot creepier so when I was watching this movie and like 
I was seeing things recreated. It didn't always make a hundred percent sense to me. And that's not even someone who's like f- completely familiar with the the games. So some of those like monsters and stuff, I thought they were cool. Like I like the janitor as well. I like Pyramid Head. I like the nurses. But you know, the the rest of it was kind of like, okay, yeah, this is what you would have to do as a Silent Kill, uh, a Silent Hill movie. And yeah, me, I mean, it kind of becomes like spot the spot the reference, right? Yeah, like, it's all it's like references, spot the iconic monsters, you know, that yeah. sort of thing, right? From the first couple of games specifically. That is just like, yeah, we take, you know, I, I can't remember which one Pyramid appears in. Let's say in number two, he's in. We'll number take two, him because yeah. Yeah, he's iconic. And it's like, all right, the nurses I know are in two as well. So let's take them. And, you know, it's just like, it's kind of yeah. like cherry picking a bunch. And to me, where, once again, I'm no expert of the Silent Hill games, but I know their stories at least a little bit. Whereas, like, the story to this in this movie to me is like dog shit it's it's like i I thought it was terrible i could i could barely even repeat like what actually happens in this movie it's kind of just an excuse to show cool shit every 20 minutes or so i was gonna say with the story like to me it it seemed like a lot of kind of interference with what the original idea for the movie was so I reluctantly watched like a 40 minute interview uh, with Christoph Gaines, all in French, which was not exciting. Uh, you know, bilingual king. <laughs> <laughs> respect respect to him uh but he's just he you know he's he's very archy and he's but he's not very uh emotive so it, gotcha. was, it was a long interview uh but he basically talked about he was a big fan of the games which i think you can tell this is definitely a movie wh- whether it's executed properly or not like i could always tell it was like coming from a place of love yeah exactly. for the material it wasn't like one of those where it's like director for hire the studio's just like oh we want to bang out this you know video game adaptation let's just get somebody and yeah yeah but but also like a misunderstanding of the material in a way because i think with the games usually like silent hill is almost like a way to kind of like torture the protagonist like it's almost like their sins exemplified where it's like what are rose's sins in the movie that she should be like in silent hill slash being tortured about no right? for it's sure like, like they, they like, take know, the existentialism and sort of because that's what it is it's the, yeah. the games are very like existential yeah it's um, like a purgatory that you keep descending into exactly. hell almost in it yeah like, purgatory you know? limbo yeah. yeah and but they just take that and kind of like strip it of its like angst i guess yeah and depth and sort of make it more of a aesthetic <laughs> Thing, very rather level. than yeah. yeah yeah rather than a like really kind of like you said almost boring like more philosophical investigation but yeah i cut you off rowan sorry Go no I, I was gonna say like i said like it seemed like there was a lot of interference so i guess like semi short story time with rowan so <laughs> basically from what i learned of it the br- background was uh you know he played the games he was a big fan the the company that put the games out had kind of like put this up for sale and said like we want a big company that you know come by the rights i uh, he wasn't a big company uh you know he's kind of known as just like this genre french director mm-hmm. uh so what he did was he actually shot scenes with his own money and weaved them into a video essay and sent them to the company about like how important these games were to him and how he wanted to direct this film. And they actually awarded him, not a company, 
the rights to the films. I love that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. But so his big thing was once he got them, uh, he approached them and said, I don't want to do anything about the first Silent Hill game. He said, my favorite game is the second game. I like the second and third game. And he was like, I want to do it based off the second and third one, where then they interfered and the gaming company was like, no, it has to have something to do with the first one. Because they, of course, you know, they're, they're saying we want this to be like a franchise of films. So I know he talked about that the story got really complicated because, you know, the the bare bones of this story in the film, I know, like, you know, I've watched some comparison videos is somewhat bare bones of the first game of, you know, like a missing child and a parent mm-hmm. looking for their missing child. And he just kind of talked about like he was basically forced to do that if he wanted to keep the rights to it. They were just like, these are things that we won't move on. I, I did think kind of an interesting thing was apparently he fought really hard. He didn't originally want to do it as an English movie. He wanted to make it like a French new wave genre film because he was like, I could do a lot like be a lot more violent i could like do a lot more stuff now of course yeah you know the powers that be are like nah you got you got to target america <laughs> yeah which i think you know i think works out because even with the you know the research i did on the games like you know the games are set in america mm-hmm. like it's a yeah, very yeah. it's a very like middle america game so i i think it might be difficult to place it elsewhere in my mind yeah yeah, it's produced by a Japanese company, though, so it's almost like yeah. I was gonna say it's weird. It's this like Japanese of, yeah. American like French <laughs> like it's kind of like it makes the games ball. a little bit like wholesome in a way, similar to like the Resident Evil games in terms of like misunderstanding like aspects of mm-hmm. American culture or kind of seeing them through what another culture's view of American culture is, right? So there's yeah. interesting yeah. aspects where almost like him doing this movie setting it in america you're kind of doing that again as a french director as well that's i don't know that's kind of interesting to me and i know i found it really hard like especially with the lens of you know 2022 man i I found it really hard not to compare it to resident evil films like the whole time i'm watching i'm like how does this compare to resident evil and then i'm like why am i thinking of why does this compare you know like it's it's so weird because i think the movie's like nothing like resident evil like don't get me wrong i'm not a huge fan of this movie but the uh, most of those resident evil movies are like utter trash i'm sorry you know and i will say listen i love them i love mila so much and i love the resident evil games obviously i've been a devotee my entire life yeah the games is a different i took the weekend off work when the last one came out but (laughs) they are they are garbage and they do not resemble the games in the least they're yeah. just essentially, you know, God love it. It's just vehicles for, for Mila to stylishly beat shit up. Yeah. And that's fine. But, like, this is actually, like, an attempt to, you know, trying to capture an essence of the video game. Whereas Resident Evil doesn't even, they don't, they're just like, we're going to throw the characters in. But, like, it has nothing to do with anything. Umbrella Corp. There we go. We did our job. <laughs> so when you were comparing it to Resident Evil, Rowan, was it just, like, in terms, like, you thought this movie was, like, better than Resident Evil? Were there certain, like, thematic or stylistic things that kept bringing it up? Or is it just the 
the early video game movie comparison. I feel like it, it was kind of just the early like horror genre video game. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think I think you know, Silent Hill as a video game franchise is always kind of held up with Resident Evil in terms of like those were like kind of those two survival horror survival horror flagship playstation games Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely you know when comparing the two like this is definitely more my style i think than like the original resident evil game not game original resident evil movie yeah like this would definitely be more in my wheelhouse than that one, per se. Not to say I don't like that original Resident Evil movie. I mean, one thing that's always going to win it for me, which, uh, you know, I had to look into while I was watching it, was the score. The score. (laughs) Yeah. It's, like, really good. It's really good. Isn't it just a bunch of the video game music again? Yeah, so... Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a a Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, I I recognized iconic moments, for sure, from the When I looked it up, when I looked it up, it said there's only one piece of music in it, I I don't know what it was, just some random part, that they made for the movie, and everything else are directly taken from the games. Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) You know, to me, A, is ingenious for that fan service of, you know, the fans of Silent Hill, but even for someone like me that's never played the games, like, now, I mean, just for the music, I want to go play the games now, because I was like, I, the whole time, I felt like Mike, I'm just sitting there saying to myself, like, this is a mood. This is just a hundred percent a mood. They are a mood for sure. I was gonna say like creating a mood because it's kind of funny because Exilia was on the couch with me when I was watching. She wasn't really watching it. She was like in and out sleeping, and and when it was done, I said to her, I was like, the music is awesome in this, and she kept saying, she's like, well, you know, like if you go on YouTube, like there's like six hour compilations of just this music for like study yeah. music and chill music. She's like that have like millions of hits like this is like a huge soundtrack on the internet and i was just like like i said i i did not know anything about anything to do with this well see now a whole new world has opened up to you i know right yeah it's so interesting seeing the 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 movie through your eyes because it's literally like for me it's like once again not a huge fan i don't know everything about it but it's like i recognize Mm -hmm. the music i recognize the characters or not the characters sorry the the monsters i kind of know the story well enough to basically be like why why didn't they do this? <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. for me, it's like the entire movie winds up being too confusing and even though the director might be a fan of the material it's like man like some of the acting like the kid acting is like absolutely terrible in the movie it is so bad and then the enunciation of a lot of the dialogue in the movie like it almost sounds like google translator like google read it's like why are we going to Silent Hill? Like, you know, it's it's just like weirdly spoken sometimes that I was just like, I my very first note is the kid acting is terrible and a lot of the dialogue is over enunciated, which is just like, I found like it was almost like the, the some of the actors didn't like know their lines in a way. It was like, <laughs> it was so annoying listening to it at times. I mean, it could be they're wasted too. I know one of the trivia facts I had read about it was uh, the woman that played uh 
Rose. Rod, what's your last name? Rod Mitchell. Rod yeah. Mitchell. So apparently, how dare you, fucking late '90s lesbian icon? Anyway, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say. Apparently, in interviews, uh, Christoph Gaines like was not a fan. Uh, he chose her. Apparently, like that was who he wanted for the role. But her method of acting is that she uh, she has to do shots before she shoots anything so she basically Wait, like shots of alcohol like alcohol like she, oh, okay <laughs> like oh, are, are we talking like is she she gets her photos taken like what's going no, on no like apparently she just has to do like multiple alcoholic shots and apparently he like really wasn't a fan of this and he just not ca- not ro calling out Rada Mitchell and calling her <laughs> an alcoholic. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe that's why uh, the dialogue was so weird. I don't know. Well, you know, in a way, that kind of makes sense because if you're really concentrating on the words to say them, like, clearly, that's, that's what it wound up being. And I only noticed it a lot in the beginning and then I kind of just, like, you know, at a certain point of just like, whatever, this is the movie. But I noticed it for sure within the first like 10 to 15 minutes of the movie, which is obviously a lot more of like Rose and her kid, right? Yeah. Like I remember specifically like whatever the line delivery, it's something along the lines of what do you mean Silent Hill? It's like, it's very enunciated. It's, it's It sounds so like robotic. It's almost like a an alien doing their best impression of a person or something. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. And now like learning that he's like a French director and stuff as well and wanted to film it in French and whatnot. I'm kind of yeah. like, I'm like, okay, was he actually concerned with the performances very much at all? Or was it just kind of like he wanted the vibe to be right? Or yeah. he wanted to like pay homage to the video games. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, yeah. Now, now I'm kind of like wondering a little bit more about it. But what what do you guys think about Sean Bean in the movie? His <laughs> uh, okay, I <laughs> the only movie have, Sean Bean so doesn't die. I have so many notes about this. 100%. First of all, I was going to say but... this was one of the weird anomalies cuz that this I feel like I'm trying to like place it temporarily, but I feel like it was during the heyday of Sean Bean dying in every single movie he was ever in or TV show. Yeah. So I I remember when I when I started rewatching it now I again the first time I saw it I was fucked up so I vaguely remembered him dying in this and I was like oh yay I can't wait to see Sean Bean die again and then I was like wait hang on a minute he's not dead <laughs> what the fuck yeah I was a little surprised he didn't die I mean I expect all Sean Bean uh, characters to die I was not that it was a good performance but you know I, I've said on previous episodes you know mean exilia giant uh sons of anarchy fan so kim coates i was like pumped oh yeah kim coates we love kim coates uh, yeah i i love kim coates i was gonna say the whole it didn't need to be in the movie 100 that's that what i'm out, trying to get I at 80 <laughs> notes if you cut that the fuck out it it would it would have like raised the movie 20 points in my book because it was completely useless i'm like, get rid of all these men why are they here and this is where i think the studio interference comes in it was so like but the main part of it was like it was i'm sorry like so female centric and it works so well so the original script for this had zero male actors in it there was no male roles in the original script period so uh christoph gaines did say that the studio interfered and said they wouldn't put the movie out unless there was also a male protagonist that they could market. Uh, so like Kim Coates, Sean, Sean Bean, was Sean born. Bean, <laughs> Kim Coates characters were all created 
afterwards on rewrites to, like, intertwine this other story that the studio wanted. Like, he said it was, like, executives in the studio that just basically said they weren't interested in marketing an all-female, like, horror movie. Which... You know, yeah, it just didn't need to be there. Like, I know he said that, uh, you know, Detective Gucci is like, uh, it's an Easter egg because in a scrap piece of paper in one of the games, it mentions a police officer named Gucci. And like, that's it, though. Like, it's not a character in the game other than on a piece of paper. So he just kind of put it as this Easter egg and then just, you know, wrote this fucking shitty storyline. Well, and that's what I'm trying to get at we spend 20 minutes of this movie probably with sean bean and kim coates wandering around looking for people looking for silent hill and it's the most boring shit ever that i was just literally like i got written down every single time we go back to sean bean it's boring as fuck which is literally like how i felt about it i was just always like why is this yeah. here why so the the entire movie whenever we cut away from silent hill it just, it's just worse so like it totally like messes with the momentum yes, yeah 100 percent. you yeah. know and frankly it pads the runtime it didn't this movie didn't need to be two hours long an hour and 40 minutes would have been sweet spot 100 percent. yep sweet I spot i yeah. agree I mean, the, the the story would still have to make sense, but I believe you cut out all the, that 20 minutes. It's probably yes, a stronger movie. Yes, but I mean, that, that still, that, that contributes to the nonsensicalness of yes. the story. Let's face yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, a big issue, too, with Sean, Sean being in it in general, too, is I know, seeing some of the cast interviews, like, even some of, like, the, you know, heavyweight, actress in this movie all played the video game they all talked about like read the script scared the shit out of me like i'm gonna do this video game movie i'm gonna go play the video game mm-hmm. or christoph was like you need to play the video game he had a conversation with sean bean and sean bean came out in all the press and said yeah they asked me to play the video game i don't play video games i don't like video games i wasn't interested at all in the source material Ooh. <laughs> it, it seemed like it was just a paycheck movie to him. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, well, I mean, he doesn't what interact. Was he, doing? he doesn't interact yeah. with any of the source material, anyways. He's he's in a completely different movie. He's in just like a, a thriller where his wife and kid are missing. Right? It's a completely different movie what he's in. That's what I'm saying. Every single time we jump back to it, I was just like, this is so unnecessary. Yeah, he just gets to wander through this like daylight world doing nothing. And I mean. I get that, like, retroactively, I guess, it kind of creates that extra layer of, like, ooh, there's these, like, layers of reality or whatever, and, you know, like, you can be in the same place at the same time experiencing two different things, and it's, like, kind of different dimensions or whatever, but, like, that just isn't strong enough to, like, justify having that plot in the movie at all. Again, cut it out. And you literally don't lose anything from the movie. You actually gain something. Well, well, that's what I was just about to say. Yeah, you cut it out. And then the reveal at the end of the movie that like they left Silent Hill, but they're just in a different plane of existence. They're, they're actually not out of it. It's just it's a better reveal without it's already knowing. It's more of a smack in the face. Exactly. Yeah. It's a better reveal. It's more of a like, twist. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the whole movie, you see them cutting through and you're like, clearly they're they're it's it's this like multi level thing. Right. But like. 
Yeah, you cut that out exactly. That's true. I never thought about that. I just thought about cutting it all out altogether and how yeah. it would would have made it stronger. But like, yeah, the punch at the end would have been like so much more powerful. Yeah. What about the backstory of the town, like being like a mining village and stuff? I kind I kind of like that in a way, like where it all like burned to the ground. It kind of gave like an explanation for like the hell vibe whenever they'd go to the yeah. different world. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the the really cool moment they had where um right before the like darkness starts when they're carrying around the canary a canary yeah. and a fucking yeah, I, I, I remember i remember like hooting and hollering in the theater that's the only thing i ever i remember losing my shit and i'm like yes that fucking canary knows that canary no shit's going down that, that was gonna be the art for the episode just the canary like in a cage but i couldn't find like a good yeah. picture of it so i was like well i'll have Aww. to do something else but i was like man that that I didn't remember that. I was like, that's pretty iconic. I mm-hmm. like that. And you also see, I it think was one, so of the, cool. one of the miners is kind of like hung up on the barb or up on the fence. Like when she first goes down there and I was like, oh, that's weird. But like, yeah, I liked how it just kept coming back and was kind of all merged together. I was like, see, that's the cool backstory of the, like the mining town. I, yeah, I, I, exactly. I did like that aspect of the movie for sure. They didn't pull at that thread enough. They should have pulled no, more at that thread and not with other ones. Yeah. I, I'm kind of interested to get your guys' opinion on what Mike said about the different layers of reality and kind of you know the ending what what we think the ending is because i did think it was interesting when uh like i said when i was watching all these interviews and like i you know to me when i was watching like the bonus feature disc it wasn't even necessarily the get facts about the movie it was like i said i didn't know anything about silent hill and i was like i'm like i need to find out about the game and like everything and i thought it was kind of interesting that uh like christoph Gaines said he didn't approach this as a horror movie he approached it as a science fiction movie. So, was actually repeated by a lot of the act- actors in it. You know, just saying like, yeah. oh, it, like, it's horror, but it's also like science fiction-y. Because they really viewed it, like, even though it's like the, the you know, hell, like this hellish, you know, reality. They viewed it as like, you know, this isn't hell and, and life and death and heaven. Like, these are actually just like realities. These are like multiple realities going on at once i was kind of interested in just your guys's opinions on that because i know like when it ended what i assumed i guess happened or the meaning of it but then as i kind of poked around i was like oh there's actually like people that have totally different explanations on what happened to these characters like why they're here why they're still here, all that kind of stuff. So I think the the whole marketing the movie as a science fiction movie is really stupid. Um, <laughs> and the, the reason why I think it's dumb is just... I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. It, it's just so dumb because, I mean, saying something science fiction conjures a very specific image to mind. It's like it's not even like nowadays where it's like, oh, an A24 science fiction movie is going to be yeah. like barely any sci-fi aspects and it's going to be like a character-driven thing, right? You're going to have one little small sci-fi tweak to it it's just like it almost feels like they didn't know how to explain multiple levels of reality because like that's the whole thing like a lot i don't think the silent hill games most of the time describe it as hell they always have a different word for it and it's just basically like reality and then unreality but like the whole thing kind of exists like outside of time like like that's what i said it's almost like a purgatory and a hell sort of dynamic but it's still like the purgatory still exists outside of our world so kind of like how i just view the end of the movie is just literally yeah they just kind of 
escape their purgatory or escape the yeah. town, but they're still into another one. It's kind of, it's like, yeah, they're not stuck in the town anymore, but they're existing outside of a plane of reality that's different than our own is kind of exactly yeah, yeah what i saw it no I, well i mean all of my notes were like this is literally purgatory limbo right like it's yeah, 100 same echo yeah. from the video games and that yeah. and that's kind of what i had viewed it as like so i had kind of assumed that when they're driving in the silent hill and she sees you know like the evil version of sharon you know running across the street and the car like you know starts turning and going <laughs> freaking out yeah <laughs> So, like, my assumption was by the end of it, I'm like, okay, like, I assumed they died. Like, they got in a car accident. Uh, I assumed the cop also did, and then they died, and then this Yes, because they all, it shows all their wrecked vehicles, right? (laughs) Well, in, you know, like, I thought, like, the, to me, I read it with the hints, like, when, uh, when the cop's arresting her, and then she just kind of, like, starts bleeding from her head, and they mention it, but then they don't yeah. really address it, and she's just like, oh, that's weird, like... I think I think that's an early, like, trope to try and basically do the, like, crazy protagonist thing of, like, oh, this could all be in her head, because she bumped her head. It's kind of like, oh, I, I, I bet they were trying to seed that in early on in the movie, just kind of, like, explain away some of the craziness, you know, in the beginning of the movie. So, I mean, that's just how I saw it, so I yeah. was like, oh, at the end, I was like, okay, they're just, they're dead, and they're just still in this purgatory, and yeah, they get to I go guess to hell I, all the time. Yeah, I guess I never pictured or never put together, like, oh, yeah, they had, like, two car crashes to get the people there. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like that aspect of the movie isn't even interesting to me. It's kind of like, why are they here is the interesting aspect to me. And I, I, I don't know, I still don't think there's, like, a good reason why Rose is here or why, you know, I, it's Alessa, but why Sharon is here, you know, other than for like to fulfill like a fanatical cults like yeah purposes well they like just... they do that like split off of her having like it's like the good in her and then they're sending it out in the world so she can come back you know what i mean it's yeah. literally just like a mechanic to get her there like you wouldn't said it just like, been why like, is she there wouldn't it just been like way more interesting if like the mom was like a, a despondent mother or like a mother that was like kind of abusive or an alcoholic or whatever and she kind of like lost her child through like negligence or something and she was atoning for something for the movie like i just don't understand like (laughs) why yeah and that's why she was hell-bent on like you know chasing after the girl and yeah it's like like, because she had this guilt and yeah you're just missing like a a key feature of like why someone would be in purgatory or hell i just don't like i never saw enough from the movie to believe that rose deserves to be tortured or like she's not even interesting enough for me to follow to kind of see like oh how is she gonna get out of this like the entire movie i was just kind of like what is going on like these are cool everybody else has done something like you know they're either in the cult and they're like complicit and like even um, I can't remember the character's name. Dahlia, Deborah Kara Unger, yeah. you know, the mother of Alessa. Like, you know, they give her that really cool story where, you know, she immediately regrets it. But, you know, she is complicit in that act as well. And yeah. everybody kind of has their reasons for being drawn into that. Is Rose being tortured because she decided to leave her husband? You know, like, it's like, yeah. Okay, that's not a good enough reason to be tortured. I I don't know. That that was kind of the thing. It's just like, I was missing, like, an emotional core, like, a a reason to care. Like, I wanted a more. Yeah, and, like, some kind of, like, edge to her character. It was just, there was no rough edge. There was no hook. There was no, yeah. Yeah, she's just kind of boring which is just like boring well i mean it's like white blonde lady with you know yeah like 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 for example i think silent hill 2 i'm not 100 percent sure but i think it's about a 
you're a, a man looking for his wife. And what the final twist of the game winds up being is that he killed his wife and she was in his trunk all along when he went to Silent yeah. Hill. So you go on this huge, long campaign looking for your wife and you're discovering all these different uh, motives and different explanations to where she went. And then yeah. it's just revealed that she was in your trunk all along, right? It's just like it's just like a crazy character that obviously he should atone for what he did, right? So it's just like I, was, I wanted mm. something like that in this movie. I wanted some crazy twist other than just basically being like, oh, the kid is half of an ancient evil or, you know, a vengeful spirit yeah. or something, you know? I wanted a reason. Um, and I never really And she it. just had the misfortune of, you know, adopting this girl. Yeah, you know? Which, obviously, you go, like, you gotta kind of buy into the whole cult. Everything is divined, obviously. And, you know, like... fate, right? But then, to go with your point, and, I mean, this would have been ripe, I feel like, if they made the movie nowadays, especially the last couple of years, with, like... Because... Okay, so... We all know I don't like cops, but like one of my favorite characters in it is Lori Holden's Sybil Bennett because yeah, she, she just—it's a great character. She's, she's a great really guy, good yeah. actress. She's she's charismatic. Like she really carries the, every scene she's in. Honestly, you can't take your eyes off of her. Like she just has presence, and that's the way it is. And I kind of thought it would have been cool, similarly, if you know she because obviously when you're a cop, there's all sorts of shit that could be torturing you. Oh, things 100%. you've done, things PTSD, you didn't do, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. yeah, like things you've seen, things you like. I said, like things that she was forced to do, things mm-hmm. that she did in regrets or whatever, and you know, it's like eating at her. And there's like just all of these like delicious threads that like they just left there and didn't really follow up on, and instead and devoted twenty minutes to Sean Bean. That's what I was just quotes. about to say. Imagine if we forgot about Sean Bean and actually fleshed out yeah. these characters or let them be tortured a little right? bit. It's just I don't know, man. Right? It, you know what's funny? You because she just to- looks like an asshole in a way because she just comes up and goes like oh this little girl is she yours you know what i mean like this you i i was so confused about but i I literally have why is the cop so suspicious like she peers at him from across the the fact that she has to follow them into the yeah and then she just follows them right and i'm like why (laughs) what do they do you know whereas if they'd given her some kind of like juicy dark backstory yes that would have totally explained why she was drawn to that and ended up there, you know? Yeah, it yeah, I just I just wanted more. I think I wanted more yeah. like almost the entire time, other than like the creature designs and the music, which once again I, I don't even credit to the movie because that's the video game. So it's kinda like the what video did, games, yeah. What did the movie do to make me want to see this as a movie? It just it was just I wanted more. And Rowan, you mentioned Event Horizon. And that was kind of my issue with Event Horizon as well. Yeah. Where it had such a great idea, but a shitty story that never capitalized on the premise. And that is literally, it's funny, but I think that's my review for this movie too. It has great yeah. kernels of an idea that I don't know if they execute on the premise for me. You keep waiting for that moment where it explodes and becomes what you are expecting it to be. Yeah. And the, it's it's like you're talking about kernels. It's literally the like kind of kernel with a little tiny bit of popcorn coming out of it at the bottom of the bag that you almost break your tooth on yeah and it's like oh okay i guess i'm done i guess the i guess the bag is done this is it like oh i guess we're gonna get a five to ten minute flashback scene to explain everything and set up alessa as this evil character and i'm like yeah okay sure i guess there has to be a reason for this movie to end in a way but it's just like which by the way is just shoehorned in all of a sudden it's like oh i'm gonna tell you exactly what happens right now i'm gonna show it to you too i'm not even gonna i'm not gonna explain i'm just gonna show it to you yeah i said that must for be no, one for of the... no reason i'm gonna i'm gonna show this to you I, for no I, reason i have written down that must be one of the most gratuitous exposition dumps in movie history it just comes out of nowhere and it goes on for like 10 minutes 
I'm like, yeah. okay, it is and interesting. And you know, shit, they but... they want the Alessa, and they want like they they get another another reference, which I appreciated was like the nurse, the Lisa, the nurse. Yeah, I like that with the bleeding stuff. eyes. Yeah, like it's great. Yeah, that that was it was really cool that they showed that. I wish that you know that was again another little thing that they had. You can't take everything from the games and make it into like a huge thing. I understand that. Yeah. I like that they were like, oh, you know, we're gonna have this like kind of nice scene that everyone's gonna recognize from the games. But like again, it was just sort of like, oh god, we gotta fucking shovel that in there right now and. You know? Just like I said, an exposition dump. It was just... Yeah, it, I, I don't it know. Was, it's just... Yeah. For me, it's like, yeah, it's a cool backstory. Would have been cooler if it was set up throughout the two-hour and five-minute movie instead of set up in the last 15 minutes. I Like, I don't know. It has so many good ideas. I just... I wish it was done better. Like spread out i guess yeah. i don't know anyways rowan we've been talking so much <laughs> what do you got to say <laughs> i i was gonna say i mean really one of my last points on it was that uh, that to me was a positive is i was surprised at how much of it was practical effect yes yes I will give you that. <laughs> I mean, I was expecting to come in and, and to me, you know, I, I said earlier, like, I just, my brain automatically went to the comparison of this and Resident Evil, the movie. And I was like, this is kind of what Resident Evil, the movie needed was like way more practical effects. Sorry, just, just what, what effects are we talking about? Cause I, like, I actually never noticed, like, obviously I know the, the janitor is like, obviously that's makeup, but you yeah. Know. Like, so like the janitor's practical, the nurses yeah. are practical. Yeah. Uh, pyramid head is practical. Okay. Like most, all of- the iconic stuff, I guess. Yeah. Cause I was like, there's so many CGI bugs in this one part that is like absolutely terrible. <laughs> I, I found there was like a nice balance though, between there's a lot of CGI, but there was a lot of like stuff that they could have cgi'd and didn't okay (laughs) i guess well and yeah and to me like i I guess i was i was willing to you know be nicer to it because i got it i'm like all right we're like we're in 2006 you know yeah there's there's almost there's only so much practical stuff you can do when you have to like melt the real world into a hellscape so you know i was kind of like looking past that i was like oh you know in 2006 Sure, people in the theater were like, "Oh yeah, this looks pretty good." Like, yeah, I do think the production yeah. design of when it shifts from you know that to the hellscape is pretty cool. Like when they recreate like the bathroom and stuff like that. I do like that. You know, it looks and, really and good. I guess like you know, and then getting to see some of the behind the scenes footage of like things that didn't have to be practical, like so like them stuck in like the boy the boiler fan room and like yeah. the giant sword coming in, like that was all practical and like. So it was cool, and, you know, even the, uh, you know, like you said, the really bad-looking CG cockroaches, there actually was, like, real ones they made, like, mixed in with CG ones, which, I mean, you have to have, because, like, they crush one and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I I wonder if, like, a little bit more restraint there would have went, like, maybe if we made a dozen real ones instead of, like, trying to have, like, 50 or 60 of them, right? It was just, to me, I was just like, oh, my God, this looks so bad, other than the one that they crush, I guess. But, but I mean, I think overall, in terms of special effects and even just the movie in general, like, I think the iconic stuff is the iconic monsters. Yeah. And I think it was kind of a brilliant choice for, so, like, all the monsters are done by dancers and, you know. Uh, yeah, I remember reading that when I first went to see it and i thought that was really cool because the only way to convey any kind of like creepiness is through movement 
other than whatever makeup you have on. Yeah, and most and, and that's monsters. very and like you said, it's that kind of stop like like Colton was saying that sort of like stop motion sort of like vibe. I feel like you can only do that if it's people that are like like real people that are really in control of like their bodies. Well, yeah, it, it's like synchronized dance moves almost in a way, right? Which yeah. sa- it sounds silly to say, but obviously if they're all in that amount of makeup and doing that nurse scene, it is basically like a routine to them, right? That they have yeah. to execute on. Yeah, and the the nurse scene, like I know when I was looking at the behind the scenes stuff, the nurse scene was like actually pretty interesting where they're all dancers, it's choreographed, but then they were saying how they got the effect where, where it was like this thing where like they shot it, then they play it backwards, but then it's like weird. They play it backwards, but then how somehow also play it forward while playing it backwards. So it yeah, that's the that's the effect in the video movement. game that they go for. It's very like erratic movements, right? Yeah, like it's, it's yeah. really hard to replicate. Which yeah, I understand why you'd kind of mess with it, right? And I should have wrote his I should have wrote his name down. I can't remember. He was Italian, but shout out the guy that played uh, Pyramid Head, who's the guy that choreograph the entire film no way wow i because that to, to me the pyramid head is and to i think a lot of people who watch this movie and a lot of people play the games obviously it's one of the images that you think of and the people who don't play the games might actually recognize because it's been replicated like in popular popular culture but like holy fuck i remember seeing that and that, uh, i was waiting for pyramid head i was like this is what i want to see mm-hmm. and it like it, it was stunning that like the first scene with him it was i was going to say it was my favorite scene cuz it, it, honestly it is um i just thought everybody else was going to say it <laughs> but it's like fuck i literally like my, like my breath caught in my throat it was literally breathtaking he it, did he did fantastic so he played pyramid head and the janitor so okay. he did he did oh both God. of those. But like he was talking about the pyramid head thing. I was like, man, like I could never do it. So he had he was so tall because he wore 15 inch heels uh, in order to, you know, get the height because they wanted him at seven feet. Yeah. Yeah. And he was saying that so like the pyramid on his head had no vision. He could only yeah. see down. And it, uh, he said it was like 12 pounds on oh his God. head. <laughs> and I I was just like, yeah, like in his movements, like just everything. Like, man, what a what a job, uh, yeah. you know, bringing that character to life. It, it's funny, too, because you guys were talking about like how iconic Pyramid Head is. Do you guys know that the creator of Pyramid Head hates him now? Did you guys ever see that like famous <laughs> no. tweet? Where I think he tweeted out, like, I regret ever making Pyramid Head or I fucking hate Pyramid Head or something. It's kind of <laughs> like he made one iconic thing and that's like what everyone points to. And he's like, I have this like vast body of work that, in my opinion, is much better than, you know, Pyramid Head. But all anyone ever focuses on is this guy with a triangle on his head. Right. Like, it's it's so funny. Like, the creator hates him. <laughs> it's so it's funny, though, because, like, I totally get that. But also it's like. Girl, this is your hook. You need a hook to get people into your body of work. You don't have that. Nobody's going to give a fuck. That's true. You're lucky yeah. to you're lucky to have that hook so that interested people will go, I'm going to delve further. I guess yeah. the, you know the guy's I mean? probably, like, yeah, the guy's probably wealthy enough that it's like, he's probably gone back to like that artist, yeah. you know, thing where it's like, I care about the art. I don't care about the money anymore. I'm filthy rich. Yeah. You know? like, now that I have money, I don't exa- care about it. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> Let's face it. That's the problem with a lot of things right now. <laughs> you get the money and then you stop caring about the money. I, I, I hope we can get to that level. I'd like to just, uh care about the art <laughs> just phone in the podcast <laughs> every couple of weeks wait so we're not phoning it in right now <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so are you guys comfortable to go in the rating this? Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Sure. So if you're new to the podcast, our rating system is nay, okay, yay, or slay. Uh, we will start with you, Colton. What do you think of 2006's Silent Hill? Yeah, as uh, everyone's probably heard, I, I seem to be a little bit more negative on the movie as a whole than probably you guys. Um, it's just for me, it's like a lot of the aspects of the movie to me are kind of like obvious things you would do if adapting Silent Hill. So the fact that they couldn't think of like a good enough narrative to kind of wrap this all up in and put a bow on it leaves me like pretty disappointed. I was pretty bored by the, the Sean Bean scenes. I was pretty confused about like why we were doing a lot of this um i do think the creature effects are really good i still like obviously the music and the the premise of shifting back between the two worlds but yeah it's it's an okay for me i if it if it had a strong narrative because like i'm i'm like a writing and narrative guy that's what i care most about you know i i could probably bump it higher but yeah for as it stands you know not uh going what it could have been it's an okay for me yeah i i, I guess i'll throw it. what do, what do you think mike <laughs> i i will agree with you in many respects and i honestly okay i'm gonna start off and say i'm giving it an okay and here's why so when i first saw it i remember again didn't remember a lot of it and i thought that my confusion in the years following seeing it was because i was high which definitely contributed to it but it was also it turns out that it didn't make a whole lot of sense to begin with. Yeah. So I feel like even if I had gone into a completely sober on my first watch, I probably would have been like, hmm, still a little bit confused here. Don't remember things. But um, in my mind, it was like, oh, yeah, like a total sleigh. Because I remember like loving it and being disturbed by it. And there are lots of disturbing things that happen in it, which is... To its credit, because it is a horror movie. But I think it was mostly that when I watched it, the set pieces that were clearly love letters to moments in the games just stuck in my mind so much and were so well done that, like, I wanted to love the movie as a whole. And also, I need to throw this up because I did not mention this at any point during the podcast. So the director and the writer are responsible for two of my favorite movies ever oh my god where um, are they? christoph gone did uh, brotherhood of the wolf which is one of my like it, it's like a cornerstone in my like early life <laughs> i recognize the and, cover from video stores i've never seen it <laughs> yeah it's it's one of those movies that like has it's a real cult following okay it was i think it was really big in in like the french cinema world at the time but like because you could tell it was definitely like kind of a budget movie but and it had like people in it who are in a lot of things like Monica Bellucci and all these other people like, you know, who are huge stars. And then Roger Avery. I mean, of course, we all know he co-wrote Pulp Fiction, but he also directed one of my favorite movies ever, The Rules of Attraction, which was unfortunately a Brett Easton Ellis adaptation <laughs> who was when I was a teenager, one of my favorite authors. And now I think he's a giant piece of shit. So let's just throw that out there. But yeah, I, I and I, I love the two of them. I love those two movies so much that like knowing that they collaborated on this adaptation of a video game series I liked, it sort of like colored my perception of it and my memories for many years. But I definitely feel like watching it from a more like adult perspective and while sober. And I was like, I get that this is actually not a great movie as such, but it does have the mood and the atmosphere and that like kind of dread and some really crazy like terrifying violent scenes but it's not pushed far enough 
and there's too much shit in it, like you said, that doesn't matter. And the narrative, the narrative of the games, from what I remember, is so much more existential, and even though the lore gets convoluted, it still makes a lot more sense, whereas this, they were just clearly Frankensteining plot elements from, like, four or five different games, but then taking those plot elements and adapting them because they didn't want to just do straight up rehashes of the games. Yeah. They wanted to do their own thing, clearly. And I totally get that because adaptation is adaptation, not translation, which is also not translation. But anyway, you know, and I, like I get that, but I think in the mix, a lot of stuff got lost that makes it just, I don't know when I'm going to watch it again, to be honest. Like that's, that's the way I look at it. I look at it and go, I'm just probably going to play the games instead of watching the movie again. That's how I feel too. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's why I give it an okay. If I just wanted to focus on like the set pieces, the pyramid head attacks and the nurses and the opening, you know, when she crashes the car and like the town is foggy and you see the thing, like that's all great. But like, that does not a movie make. When it's two hours, if it was 90 minutes or 80 minutes, I would totally be way more forgiving of it. But this is a two-hour goddamn movie, yeah. and there's just too much shit that drags it down. That's what I will say. Rowan, what is your say on it? So, I did probably one of the things that I know for sure Mike and Exilio would be super proud of me. I didn't do what I, you know, normally do, which is come into a movie with unrealistically high expectations. <laughs> This might be congratulations. The, this might be the first film I really didn't expect anything. I was like, "This is gonna be terrible. I'm gonna regret picking this." And like I said, like I I had a blast with it. You know, unfortunately, I did. You know, I watched this. I did the typical, you know, watch this during the day uh, and didn't watch it at night. But I I still like still had an awesome time with it. Uh, like I said, I I loved the monsters. I loved a lot of the practice practical effects uh i love the music uh but then like we pointed out uh you know the, the whole sean bean plot was just not needed i didn't love that part get rid of the man <laughs> pretty much get rid of the yeah. man like uh, the, a lot of the story i i think i think they tried to almost overcomplicate the story more so than it needed to be it could have been a lot simpler and i did feel you know i don't know if it was actually there but i felt like christoph games kind of being held hostage a bit where i'm sure there was the thought like this is going in american theaters you know we need this to do what it needs to do and, and i i kind of wish i could get that french version of this film mm. where we go super gory and we go like yeah. super you know the like far more explicit in it which i think could really work in this because like i said it has like this hellraiser feel that yeah i think you could get a lot grimier with um but but all in all, the passion was there, right? Oh yeah, the passion you was definitely tell, yeah. there. Uh, so I mean, I'm gonna give it a yay because, like, I really, I really enjoyed it. I'm probably, you know, I'll probably watch it again a couple times, yeah. and you know, maybe because I don't have that, you know, taint of having played the game, so it's not, you know, I know a lot of people love those games, so. If I had to play the games first, I probably would have been like everyone else and been like, uh, like, this isn't really it. Yeah, like, I, I don't have that. So I, I had a lot of fun with it. I'll I'll give it a yay. I'll watch it again. Yeah, to be fair, most video game movies are absolute garbage. Yes. Like, yes. unwatchable. That was actually one of my notes. I was like, as adaptations go, 
This is probably as good as you can get. It's definitely among the better video game adaptations for sure. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, two OKs and a yay. That sounds pretty fair to me for Silent Hill. Uh, So we told you what we think. Uh, Next up, we asked you what you think. And, uh, you know, a couple of you responded on Instagram. We threw out the question there. Uh, So come dot to think of it responded and said, decent but slow. I actually had more fun with the sequel. So I haven't seen the sequel. Yeah, I I can't remember it, but yeah, maybe the sequel will be a little bit even more your speed, Rowan. Yeah, maybe. I'll I'll have to check it out. You know, friend of the podcast, author Brad Dunn wrote, he said, poor script, great visuals. Yeah, exactly. Stunning visuals, yeah. Agreed. Mood out the ass, which as you know was that's another reason why I love it. Like, give me the mood and the atmosphere and the style and I'll eat for days. Yeah. It's definitely a mood. And then uh, last but not least, we have a cult Bayman wrote in, uh, you know, lovely Peter. We love a cult Bayman. That's right. <laughs> and he said, after thinking about it, it's probably the best movie based off a of video game I've seen. Yeah. yeah. Like we said, exactly. it's definitely among the better options for sure. The bar is set so low for video game adaptations that like it's subterranean really. <laughs> Honestly guys, I think the best video game movie I've seen is like Sonic the Hedgehog or something and I feel, I thought that <laughs> yeah. is okay as well, right? So yeah, it's not very high. Yeah. Yeah, so uh once again, we don't have any calls on the horrific hotline, but if you'd like to call and leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 1902 418 8620. We're going to keep uh, plugging it. Hopefully we can get some calls one of these episodes, you know, get some conversation going between us and you. Uh, but if you're not following us already, you can do so at It Slays Podcast on basically every different social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Slasher, because I'll mention that because Rowan will kill me if I don't. Um, and if you'd like to support the podcast in a different way, if you have a couple of bucks to toss our way over on patreon.com slash it slays podcast, it'd be greatly appreciated. And if you don't have any bucks to toss our way, that's fine as well. You know, we appreciate you taking the time to listen and, you know, engaging with our content online. And then this is where I pop in and remind you to go to Spotify, go listen to the it slays podcast, horrific playlist. Uh, I've got some songs lined up. I've got to add them on there. I've got some stuff from Fresh. I've got uh, some stuff from X. And I might have to put some Silent Hill on here. I always like uh, when we have to put music on from like X and Fresh. Because like you're obviously just putting like the jams on. Yeah. That like (laughs) so one minute you're just listening to like the theme song, the Halloween. And the next thing you're listening to like some 70s classic rock song yeah yeah but that's that's how we like to do it all sloppy like that and then you're going to like the moody silent hill music right after that (laughs) yeah yeah exactly that's right it's a mood it's a mood uh so last but not least we have to announce our upcoming movie that we will be reviewing next episode and it was mike's pick mike it was a mike pick um and it's gonna be so much fun it is the wonderful i guess you could call it a cult film i feel like it's not exactly a huge blockbuster but people who are in the know really know it and have a lot to say about it and it is called possession i am super so excited check it out um, so am I. it is yeah it's it's kind of widely available now i feel like there's some blu-rays and stuff out of it and it's probably on a streaming service in the states and all that so 
Um, definitely give it a watch. Um, Sam Neill and Isabella Jani, two like brilliant actors. So, uh, and there's lots of really cool artwork like online for it if you're into that. So, yeah, check it out and then come listen to the podcast. So every single and review, let us know all the weird thoughts you have on it because there's going to be lots of them. Every single review on my letterbox is a five star or a four and a half star. So yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a time. It's it's definitely one of those movies that like you will remember. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Put it that way. Whatever you think about it, you will remember it. <laughs> So I think that is everything for this evening. As always, thank you for all the support. And we will be back in two weeks with Possession. I am your humble host, Rowan. It's Mike. And I'm Colton. See you later. We're going to expand our weekly video segment to take you into the back shelves of your local video store. Back where it says horror videos and where kids are devouring some awful films that we call the video nasties. Are you freebasing? Inquiring minds want to know. I have to break free from this culture of mechanical reproductions and the thick incrustations dying on the surface. What the prime time gets. Long with the new flesh. The pain, I can assure you, will be exquisite. As for our deaths, come with me and be immortal. We have such sights to show you. Gotta return some video games.